Hello, I'm Alex Reeds, and this is Time to Talk, the space where we discuss anything from masculinity, mental health, love, careers, parenthood, and so much more. Exploring the all-important reasons for talking about the core things that make us us. In these first series of episodes, I will be speaking to guests about masculinity, what it means to them, and getting varied stories from all backgrounds, ranging from class and sexuality to race and religion. Why? because without a space to talk, we don't have space to fully live our lives. That being said, let's get on with the show. One of the most important lessons I've been learning in my 20s is the true power of words. Words have the strength to break people down as well as build people up. Words can destroy and cause anger, even fury, but they can also heal. I learned how talking can be used to heal unmended wounds, fill people with love, comfort and strength, as well as build you into the person you want to be. When I sat down to plan this podcast, I asked myself whether I could talk about any of this. Whether I could talk about love, do I know what it looks like? Whether I could talk about masculinity? I'm not exactly the world's most stereotypical man. Whether I should be speaking about therapy or mental health or even physical and sexual health at all. It was so overwhelming, I locked myself away and didn't want to talk about anything to anyone because I didn't see the reason to. Then I started writing. And at the top of the page, I began scribbling in my journal and it said, can I talk about this? And I laid out all the reasons why I should, would and could talk about all of this and the importance of speaking. Who knows? I may put it into an essay one day, but this is where it begins. And that's notes to self. Welcome, Kwame Opoku. How are you today? I'm good, thank you very much. Nervous. Um, Nervous. Oh, don't be. It's fine. When you, as a psychotherapist, in your personal, like, like, with your family and stuff, do you you kind of, like, psychoanalyze them when they're speaking? Or do you, you, like, read, read between the lines when they're angry about something that they're not talking about or are people a lot more careful around what they what they say to you because they're like oh my god you're gonna gonna analyze it like because i know for a fact yeah i was a psychotherapist my dad would not speak to me really because i know that i'd be like oh why are you feeling that way (laughs) what's going on and he'd be like are you trying to do your like trying to do your therapist thing have you had that kind of experience with a lot of your friends or family no i mean it's an ongoing joke as soon as (laughs) i say i do therapy oh you're analyzing me oh so you're not, you're not out in a in a drink cup and you're trying to yeah trying to, trying to analyze <laughs> analyze people <laughs> and so forth. Um, you can't take off what you know. So how do you think your background affects your your perceptions of masculinity? Obviously, from Ghanaian background. Yeah. What was that like for you growing up and trying to understand your position and place within manhood, etc., whatever that means to you, and then leading you to this place. So, I mean, perceptions of masculinity coming from a Ghanaian background, Ghanaian household, and my father wasn't around, so mm. I was effectively from a single-parent family. My mum's one of 28. One of 28 children? One of 28 children. So my granddad had five wives, 28 children, 14 boys, 14 girls. <laughs> so I have a lot of family around me, and seeing the family dynamics 
played itself out. So I saw all my uncles mm. who were married with children and essentially the men were the leaders of the family. My kind of core frame of reference of masculinity was was essentially the man is head of the household. Right, the man okay. leaves, the man provides. Mm. I always thought that Ghanaian culture was quite matrifocal. Like it had a, it was like mothers who were the... the in the home. In Oh. <laughs> in the home, but not in public. <laughs> no, no, in the home in terms of the yeah. woman might run the household. Oh, okay. But essentially, it's, it's patriarchal. Okay. Uh, but if you're seeing a lot of men being leaders or doing this in public, etc., why did you feel you had to present to the world? And then what was that like? To be honest with you, I think that the, the first part of it was more about a sense of how I, I was supposed to carry myself, which mm. is have a sense of confidence and basically be a, be a quote-unquote leader, and particularly just, just me and my mum in the house. So sometimes, um, I think on reflection and through personal therapy, I realized that actually sometimes there was that kind of quiet pressure mm. to be so-called a man or to be an adult when mm. actually I don't have the capability, I don't have the ability to be a, to be a man. Mm. From a, again, from a personal African point of view, you, you equally get, let's say, mothers and aunties who was not using the words, but effectively are saying man up. Yeah, I hate that. And even as a therapist, yeah. there is an assumption that is, is predominantly female, as a career and as a vocation, it's seen as a feminine profession. So the unlearning part of it was 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 learning to to be who I am and to be okay, I guess, not being this mythical figure of mm. the doer or the the man when actually I'm I'm 14, 15, 16. Mm. And some of the guilt that I had of my ability to to get things done back in the day. So I think I carried a lot of sense of 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 um, I wasn't good enough or or I didn't a sense of lack of achievement. Mm-hmm. Um, through through that. I mean, there's this big thing in like the African and Caribbean community about not necessarily sharing or mm. sharing your business sort of thing. Is that like one of those huge kind of barriers that yeah. you need to get through when you're talking to your clients? Then? Nah. Because, like <laughs> My vantage point of, of African culture is mm. that people love to chat. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. So okay. people love to chat. Yeah. But it's more like, what? but what do they talk about? Mm-hmm. Peeling back the layers mm. and, and connecting with someone's emotions. It can be the part of it is... Is it something that they're just not used to talking, even though they want to they want to be there? Are they not used to having this level of in depth conversation, mm-hmm. and therefore is kind of getting them into the habit of of sharing and, and normalizing talking about your feelings, and rather than um, shutting it down or playing it off as something that's not very very important, mm-hmm. or is it because they're afraid to to be vulnerable that might trigger shame? Mm-hmm. So is it self protection? Um, we have to kind of get used to talking and, mm. and get them comfortable with connecting with their emotions. Yeah. So when I first went to therapy, like I was so introverted. I didn't yeah. want to say much. A lot of my female friends, it was different for them. They kind of went in and they just were like divulging. But for me, it was quite difficult and I didn't know where to start or how to start. Mm. And I know that a lot of my male friends, it was a bit hard. Is that a typical thing that you've seen? It's client to client, depending on that person's personal history um, and how how comfortable they feel to open up and also what level of difficulty they have trusting people. And I think that tends to be the the core factor really is is the ability to to trust and therefore to feel vulnerable in that space. It's how you recognize that person's particular personality. Mm. So let's say if you were introverted per se, mm. I wouldn't necessarily try and force you to to talk and not try to push through it and say mm. you must talk, you must talk. Mm. It's it's allowing you to to be yourself. Mm. But ultimately you've come to therapy for a reason. Mm. So there's something that you want to understand. There's something that you want to, to process. So it's how do, I, how do I help you to do that mm. um, without taking away 
who you are or, or, or trying to change you? Um, one thing that I've always been concerned about is barriers versus boundaries. Yeah. Now, can you just explain what boundaries are and how we can kind of like, and then how we start implementing them and the different types of boundaries there are? The way I like to think of it is what you allow in and out. If we have barriers, is 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 to say keep out, and we also block ourselves in. But having healthy boundaries is to manage your relationship with yourself, but also relationship on your, on your own terms, mm. not not on the agenda of somebody else. Quite often, the, the, the typical one that we have is not being able to say no. Okay. Now, healthy boundaries is is to say, well, actually, it's no, but for on these terms, mm-hmm. it's not that I don't love you, but right for right now. Self-care means that I can't give you my time mm. or I can't give you money. So it's about balance. And it's, these are the kind of things that people go through when they go through therapy, right? Learning how to yeah. communicate healthy boundaries. It's been able to identify, part of our therapy is be able to identify your needs and how you communicate your needs to people around you. Yeah, It's a platform for change. It's a platform to, to gain awareness, to gain insight, but it's also a platform to, to practice as well because quite often what I like to say is that you're, you're learning new life skills mm. and you need a space to practice that I say you're doing sport you go to a coach they, they tell you do it this way but you just need to practice that for it to become second nature mm. so quite often process of therapy is about learning to practice how to do things differently okay okay so having not been in therapy before obviously having to train as a therapist yeah. you have to go through therapy yourself yeah. you? so what what was that like for you because I mean a lot of people they don't necessarily voluntarily in in the early stages anyway they don't voluntarily go to therapy because yeah. you're training and you were and it was required of you to do so what was that like going through the therapeutic process for yourself it was very it was very interesting my first first experience of therapy was four sessions at the Tavistock um, anyone that knows the, the psychotherapy and, and counselling profession knows that Tavistock is one of those esteemed institutions it was almost initially mm. I was able to tell myself that I'm doing it because I had to mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it kind of in terms of some of the some of the difficulties that people have embracing therapy mm. I had an out for myself initially mm. and when people asked me I would still say I'm doing it because my course required it mm-hmm. so it took away some of the apprehension about what, what would people think initially. Mm. So when people talk about the stigma of therapy, I can definitely get it because yeah. I also had that. Do you think you needed it? Definitely, in hindsight. Mm. So I'll put it this way, I had to do about 40 sessions, which is essentially okay. 40 hours, which is a year's worth of work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I ended up being in personal therapy for about seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I saw the value in it. Yeah. on a personal level yeah. but also professionally I sort of value it even more so because quite often they say you can't go with your client to a point where you haven't been what do you think it would take for men to become more vulnerable being more being more being more secure um, being vulnerable is not is not bad in itself or it's not be, I think sometimes we need to clarify what vulnerable is it's, mm. it's a sense of some people might interpret it as weakness mm. some people might, might interpret it as a sense of, of um, fragility mm-hmm. um, from a therapeutic point of view we talk about if someone's secure within themselves you can st- you can you, you can still be vulnerable and not have a sense of shame about that yeah. I think the, the shame component is, is, is a massive part because if I'm vulnerable and I say uh, to my partner that I'm scared that you're going to leave me and I feel that that's a sign of weakness and a sign that you're going to abuse me, me sharing that with you. Mm. That's very different from, I love you, I don't, I don't want you to leave me. Uh, what can we do to 
work on this relationship. Mm. That's I'm I'm still being vulnerable, mm. but I'm not but, but I'm I'm not coming from a position of fear. Mm. So so vulnerability in itself is not is not a bad thing. Yeah, but so it's like trying to get uh, guys to understand what vulnerability means yeah. first and foremost, and then where does that that must start like from the very beginning then because children are very vulnerable and it's like for boys it's like there's a turning point and it's always a very particular age I would imagine I would say around 10 that they start to lose that vulnerability mm. in the end because obviously as you say with the patriarchy like environments whether it be fathers whether it be mothers or friends or whatever take that a little bit away from you and yeah it just becomes something that we don't necessarily know the the meaning of so mm. when people say vulnerable and they they say vulnerable they hear weak. I remember yeah. saying it to my friend. Yeah, like I mean, I was into in friendship groups a few years ago, and um, I like I was like, oh, I can't really be vulnerable. I'm trying to be more vulnerable. Yeah, and my friend was like, Why? <laughs> why are you trying to be like? Why? What does that even mean? Yeah, and I said it's not it's not necessarily about being weak. Yeah, just like you know, just being able to share openly and healthily mm. I guess yeah about, you know how I'm feeling about a certain situations exactly yeah. um, it's sharing it's been it's been authentic mm. yeah. it's been authentic without the the that idea of, of stigma behind it so I said it's being authentic about how you feel about um, a relationship breakup about the fact that you have job insecurity about the fact that um, you're you're struggling financially mm. that's been authentic but is there is there interpretation mm. of 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 what you say that you think okay what what people think about me mm. that's the part that that leads to people shutting down and 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 um not not sharing with people because of that 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 self judgment they have first and foremost and then uh, then then fearing the judgment of of others mm-hmm. how do you think a lot of the men that are coming to you now are are coming to you because I remember we did a panel back last year, yeah. like last year's International Men's Day, and a lot of people were brought there by their female relatives mm. and female friends, etc. But now we're finding more people are coming like voluntarily. Yeah, I've had, I do have the instances where, uh, like, say, a female partner ring on behalf of the boyfriend mm-hmm. and say, I want you to talk to him, or, or he's looking for it, but he's looking for therapy, but I'm doing the initial contact first. Mm. But the majority have come through self referral. And one particular male client, he came through the power of social media. He had heard an interview with, with Jay-Z talking oh, about right. his experiences of personal therapy. Mm. And he wanted almost to get ahead of the game for him because of his his work and, and, mm. and, and his profession. He recognized that he's going to be placed in a, a position where he's going to be quite stressed. Mm. So he wanted to work on himself so that he's able to become more resilient. Now they're in your room. How do you build up the emotional connection with them? How do, how do you how do you build that? It's active listening, active listening, rapport, body language, um, being the, the key thing is, is learning to be attuned. That's a, that's a phrase that we use is is is, is having a sense of attunement mm-hmm. with your with your client, and that that part of that attunement is is knowing to um, sometimes keep the silence is what you say, is how you say it, is how you respond, is how you acknowledge and validate someone's um, someone's experiences, um, showing that showing mm-hmm. that you care, showing that you, you understand, is that sense of attunement that is built up so that the client gets a sense that I can trust this person, I can I can I can allow myself to to become vulnerable with this person um, and 
and it's, and it's something, it's something that does take time. And that's why, in a way, I'm an advocate for long-term therapy because it hasn't come up. But obviously, if you go to therapy, sometimes it might be short-term, like six weeks, 12 weeks, six months. Um, the work that I tend to do with, with clients tends to be over a year, mm. couple of years. And that allows the, the process of, of, of that connection to build up. Mm-hmm. Do you see much of a difference when it comes to men and women entering into the space? When I first started, I was, it would be it was roughly about eighty twenty female to male mm-hmm. uh, clients. Now it's about six to forty males to to females. Okay. Um, and more recently, I've been having more black men and mm-hmm. and mixed race men um, coming to inquiring about 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 personal therapy with mm-hmm. me. Essentially, for me, uh, I, I work with anyone that wants to work, wants to work with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think because. Um, Black mental health, in particular, black male mental health, is gaining more visibility. Mm. It's also triggering um, men to 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 seek out therapists, mm. and and I think more and more and more people want to work with people that look like themselves or people they feel that they can relate to and and um, mm. identify with. Yeah, I mean, some people they don't like going to <laughs> they don't like going to people that look like them because mm. they would over-identify with the struggle or the trauma. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people, like, if you know that, you know, you've had like, a beating from parents for trying to steal food from the yeah. world or whatever, uh, they're not, they don't necessarily want to have to identify with them. Do you ever get like that kind of resistance with a lot of your clients or have they, has that ever been fed back to you or have you even heard that before? Um, you, it's, to some degree, the person wouldn't then come to me at all. Mm. Because, because I said, my name's very. If you if yeah. you're from African background or from West African background, you see my name Kwame, you know straight away I'm Ghanaian. Mm. So that draws people to me that want to work with me. Mm. Other people who may not necessarily be comfortable working with somebody who they see as potentially part of the community, mm. then they would they wouldn't approach me in the but first place. Have you has, have people had the conversation around you yeah. saying why they wouldn't go to that? So what do you think? What do you think about that? Though? I've had a client who ha- or clients who've had initial contact. And then they haven't been certain because of that. Mm. Um, okay. You try your best to uh, appease or try to work with that, but mm. ultimately, if it's about it's about it's about working with somebody that you are very comfortable with, and to, to get the most out of therapy, your relationship with a the therapist is is the X factor. Yeah. So so you, so you really really have to um, have a good have a good rapport and connection. Definitely. Definitely. I mean, that was one of the reasons why I went with a black therapist in the first place because I felt like they would be able to identify with what I'm saying rather than like, like over overthinking. Yeah. They'd so be like, okay, this is what it's like in said community. Let's figure out how we can work mm. on that and stuff. So as, as we've seen, like a lot more celebrities are talking about therapy yeah. and then it's making in society making it look better. But what do you think about that change? And how can we get more men get into therapy? So I think it's great that mm. these conversations are being had and it's kind of normalizing people's lived experiences. It just becomes part of the everyday experiences of actually, you know what, I think it'd be good for me to go and see a therapist. Mm-hmm. For me personally, it's great. I think the next layer of work is trauma. Okay. It's now being rephrased as adverse childhood experiences. So if anyone looks that up, adverse childhood experiences, they have like a list of 10 things. Yeah, what an example of some of those. 10 things would be a parent who's been in prison, okay. abuse, family separation. So there's 10 things that say if someone has been through one of these things, they're more susceptible to potential mental health difficulties in, in later life. Experiences of, of unresolved trauma is a next level of conversation for us to go through because mm. 
that's not necessarily a personal issue. It's also about societal issues and, and societal structures, the conditions that people are living in that influences these things to happen as well. It's, it's a great thing. And getting more men in there. It's just making it more accessible for men to go and therefore to be seen by, by therapists. And then what are some of the typical barriers to entry then for a lot of people coming, aside from own ego? Yeah. <laughs> what is the main barriers for people to come? It's, it's quite daunting, the process of finding a therapist or finding a good therapist. Um, so for me, being a, a practitioner, I know if you can go to Barton, which is for like an Asian therapist, there's, yeah. there's Barton as, as a directory. You have the BACP, um, mm-hmm. the British Association of Counselors Psychotherapies directory called It's Good to Talk. You have the UKCP, you have counseling directory. So you have all these directories out there, which mm-hmm. I know is available. But if you are just an, an ordinary person, it's a bit daunting as to what do I need? What's a good therapist? What questions do I ask? Um, how long do I need to do it for? What diagnosis is almost relevant for me to to, mm-hmm. to go and see a, th- a therapist? Is it just okay to just go and talk or do I have to be um, quote-unquote mentally ill? Mm-hmm. So there's so many aspects of it that a lot of people are a little bit confused about, which as a therapist, I sometimes take for granted. For me, it was the introductory email. My friend sent me a template. She was just like, just copy and yeah. paste it. What did you say? Hi, X. My name is Alex. I'm looking for therapy sessions. Yeah. Um, I'm based here. I'm based there. Yeah. You know, it's just like one of them very tentative. Yeah. Emails. And I was like, okay, let me just copy and paste it and then send, yeah. send, send, send to yeah. like five or six people. That was the first step. Okay. Oh, yeah. Second step was getting the responses. Yes. So I was like, oh my God, there's people, these actual people, yeah. they want they want to see me. Yeah. I'm going to have to sit down and talk to them. I've got something to prove of some kind. But <laughs> otherwise... Yeah. Um, emailing them and then kind of having that conversation and like, yeah. that's the thing that not many people tell you about yeah. obviously you need to communicate yeah. with the therapist to kind of like organise stuff you don't just turn up at the door and yes. say I need therapy people. Yeah. and that was one of the big things to learn but also the second thing was um, how affordable it is Yeah, and uh, I just can't uh, like that's <laughs> <laughs> don't start me off sorry <laughs> I need affordable therapy I mean I think what's that, affordable I qualify it like this in the US, mm-hmm. the people are paying like $120 yeah. an hour yeah. to go yeah. to therapy. And they say that that is affordable. Yeah, It's between, I would say between 45 and 65 pounds an hour. People have retail therapy. Mm-hmm. People have hmm. um, going out therapy okay. where you go out for you go out, you go, you go out with, with your friends. Mm-hmm. You buy rounds. Yeah. How much do you pay for rounds? Mm-hmm. If you go out in London, central London, you're buying a single with with something. How much is that? Yeah, yeah. So you touched on earlier, people that stereotypically look at therapy and therapists as a very female-led profession. Yeah. Do you still feel that? Where do you think that comes from? To, straightforward is, is the stats. Yeah. The statistically is um, the, the, the gender balance or imbalance is, is predominantly female, to predominantly white female. So the black and Asian therapists and even being in, in terms of intersectionality, mm-hmm. I'm like, like a, a man and black. Yeah. I'm a minority within a minority yeah, yeah. In, in that sense. Um, but it is something that is now um, been given more visibility in terms of more encouragement for mm. for, for more men to to become therapists and more Black and Asian people to become to, to become to become therapists. Um, it's changing. Yeah. It's changing. Yeah, it's becoming more and more of an acceptable profession yeah. for young yeah. men of color. To, yeah, to do. Um, and I think because um, more celebrities as well or public mm. figures are, to- are talking about therapy and going to see a therapist. I think Im- implicitly as well that mm. also said, like, well, if you're going to see a therapist, who is that therapist? So, so I think there'll be there'll be more curiosity about about becoming um, 
therapists as well through that mm. process. Because mm. if um, public figures like, let's say, Charlemagne the God is talking about going to see a therapist, or Jay Z is saying they're talking about going to see a therapist, the question is, who are they seeing? And therefore, um, that also makes it more acceptable to yeah. become the person on, on the other side of the chair. Of, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Why do you think people in the community stay away from going to black therapists? Um, I think you alluded to it that there's a fear of um, over-familiarity. Mm-hmm. And also, um, depending on, on the issues that the person is 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 potentially dealing with, is a trust. Mm-hmm. If I'm Ghanaian and you know that London can be a small place, mm-hmm. yeah. will I see this person? Yeah. Will this person know somebody that I know? Will somebody know my mom, my auntie, mm-hmm. somebody? And can I trust them to hold and to um, to retain what we've talked about without sharing of anybody. So it becomes an issue of confidentiality. Mm. And and so that can be a, a massive part of it where mm. somebody doesn't want to work with somebody within the community or, or somebody they feel is part of the community. Mm. I just want to ask, like, what advice do you have for people who want to get into therapy? In terms of getting into therapy, you have to prepare yourself emotionally. Mm. <laughs> uh, seriously, there's a cliche that says therapy can result in breakup of your relationship. So that's how life-changing it can be. Yeah. So you have to be really, really ready on different levels. Wow. Um, but also, like with anything, is research. Research what you want to practice in terms of what speaks to you. Because there's 101 different types of therapies out there these days, which is some part of the confusion for people as well. What's the right thing for me? You have to research what, what suits you and understand why you're attracted to the particular therapy that you are, whether it's psychotherapy, psychodynamic therapy, um, person-centered, cognitive behavior therapy, mm. um, transpersonal. There's all these types of therapy. So it's, it's just about research, where you are right now, mm-hmm. in terms of your emotional needs, in terms of your, 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 your life experiences. If you just need a space to talk and be heard, it's very different from if you've if experienced some, 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 some form of trauma and therefore you, you need more of a, a specialist and um, your time commitment as well. So why do you think it's time to talk about this now? Um, not to get too, too heavy on it, but mm-hmm. with the experiences of um, suicide, of particularly male suicide, that's a uh, that begs the question: what, what what is going on out there? We talk about masculinity, talk about toxic masculinity, but essentially we're talking about a lot of men who are suffering, a lot of men who are who are in in distress, who sees who see suicide as the only out to to alleviate that suffering they're going through. Mm-hmm. So it it begs, so it kind of says what, what, how how are people getting to this point? And and what and what what is out there for them, or what hasn't been out there for them, yeah. for them to 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 help them through what they were going through. Um, we have the amount of um, divorces, and yeah. therefore the amount of children who are experiencing family separation, family, yeah. um, and 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 so forth. So there's a lot of social um, factors out there mm. that that are going to lead to potential adverse childhood experiences, go, yeah. which would then have a knock on of mental and physical health difficulties as well. So. All these things are needed, um, and, and ultimately, for me, therapy is proactive as well as reactive. It's about creating the space to break cycles and create healthy, um, healthy adults. But it's also, and hopefully, in turn, these adults will, will create healthy children and mm-hmm. hopefully minimize all these adverse experiences that people are going through.
So for this section, it's called Books That Matter. And this is where I present a book that links to the theme of the episode. I think it's a book that we should all be reading and it's a book that I recommend. And I really, really want you guys to go out and buy it. Um, but this is one book that I think that people should uh, take the time to delve into just to get a bit of an understanding around uh, people's personal experiences with mental health. And it's called It's Not Okay to Feel Blue in brackets, and other lies. Inspirational people open up about their mental health. And this has been curated by Scarlett Curtis. And it's got, uh, it's a collection of essays by um, so many amazing writers and uh, other personalities. So we've got Adam Kay's in there, Alistair Campbell's in there, Candice Carty-Williams, Reggie Yates. We've got Kelechi Okafor. We've got Kachenga. We've got so many people that are speaking and openly talking about their mental health and their experiences. which is, And this is something that I haven't read yet, but I really want to get into reading it. Um, and I think that you guys should too. So that being said, Kwame, what is your book that matters? So a book that has been released recently, which has been very recommended, is called This Book Could Help. It's a book of techniques and exercises for living and is aimed at men's mental health and well-being. Um, it's by a gentleman named Rotomy. I won't pronounce his, his surname though because I'm not sure how you pronounce it. This book could help by Rotomy. I don't want to try his surname if you don't want to try his surname. <laughs> but there we go. It's called This Book Could Help. The Men's Headspace Manual. Techniques and Exercises for Living. And we'll put those books in the description for the episode. So get onto that, guys. Thank you so much for coming in, Kwame. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for talking to me. Thank you for being so open and honest about the career and therapy itself. So where can people find you? My website is kwamiopoku.com. Mm-hmm. I'm also social media, Instagram, um, Kwame Poku Counseling. And if anyone has any questions around therapy in terms of how to get into it, finding a therapist, I'm always open to people contacting me to ask questions because I think it's about sharing. So. Are you sure you're open to that? You're going to get a bombarding? No, no, definitely. I, okay. I, anyone can call me or email me with any questions they have. All right. You heard that, guys. <laughs> Vlad, here's DMs. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe on Global Player and wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Twitter at tttalkpod. Follow me on Instagram at alexreads or email me at tttalkpod at gmail.com. Have a great and blessed week, guys. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you next week.